Locksmith Talk with Aloha is supported by Security Pro Supply. What is Security Pro Supply? Well, it's the new parent brand for HL Flake International Key Supply, HE Mitchell, and McDonald Dash Companies. While these great company names will continue to live on, associating them together under the Security Pro Supply parent brand allows them to communicate a unified mission, which is to help you, the security professional, be successful. We'd also like to thank HL Flake and Security Pro Supply for partnering with Aloha to promote ongoing virtual education via webinars. It's certainly been an eventful year, but thanks to HL Flake, Security Pro Supply, and Aloha, educational opportunities have remained available for security professionals around the world. For more information about these webinars, please visit aloha.org. Speaking of websites, visit Security Pro Supply's website, securityprosupply.com. There you will find links to the exciting company's e-commerce sites. You can also take a moment to explore their growing library of educational resources, including the listing of all webinars being offered through Aloha. Once again, that is securityprosupply.com. Welcome to Locksmith Talk with Aloha. I'm your podcast host, William Link. Today's program is the LSFDI program. Our guest, Tom DeMont, has been in the locksmith industry for over 65 years, starting in his father's shop in Pittsburgh in 1955. Tom holds the most impressive credentials in our industry as a certified AHC, CFDI, CFFDI, CFL, CMIL, CML, CMST, LSFDI, ICML, IFDI, and ARL. Woo! Tom sits on the NFPA 80 Technical Committee as an alternate voting member for IFDIA, is an Aloha ACE instructor, and an IFDIA certification instructor. Tom is an active forensic investigator for doors, frames, and hardware, and has five active cases as present. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks for uh, letting me join you. Oh, it's my pleasure. So first, Tom, tell us what is LSFDI? What does that stand for, and what does it mean? Well, Aloha uh, created the LSFDI program uh, in early uh, 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 2016, uh, when the Joint Commission and CMS, these are the accreditation agencies for hospitals, nursing homes, and adult care facilities, required that annual fire door inspections be done along with life safety inspections. Mm -hmm. uh, at present, uh, the two uh, uh, companies that offered these credentials were IFDIA uh, for their CFDI and Aloha with their uh, AWFDI. 
which was their total door inspection, but neither of them had a credential that offered the life safety portion of the fire door inspection. So we developed this uh, program uh, through Aloha. It is a uh, an eight-hour training in a classroom or uh, three, four-hour days. Uh, and you must pass two exams. You must pass the life safety code uh, portion, uh, and you must pass the the fire door inspection portion in order to get this credential. If you're an institutional locksmith, you'll get the credential as an as an Aloha institutional locksmith. If you're a commercial locksmith, you'll get the credential as an Aloha regular commercial locksmith. And uh, the uh, credential is good uh, for three years, uh, and then you have to retest. Well, that makes sense. Tom, why should a locksmith be certified to do fire door inspections? Well, uh, my question is, why not? I mean, the locksmiths <laughs> uh, are the first line of defense for their customers. They're the ones out there working on the doors, frames, and hardware on a daily basis. They're the most knowledgeable in this area. And it offers a service to their customer with credentials to back up their claims. Mm -hmm. So a locksmith should have this as part of their standard work practice to offer fire door inspections to all of their customers and uh, to uh, help build uh, relations with their customer and keep them safe. Mm, okay. I guess one other question is, is there really any money to be made in fire door inspections? Well, yes and no. Um, you know, it's one of those lost leaders, uh, Bill, where uh, for a commercial locksmith to offer fire door inspections, you basically are going to your commercial customers and saying, look, we can make sure that all of your fire doors are up to par. If you're dealing with a, a hospital, nursing home, or adult care facility, they do pay for fire door inspections. And it, it varies depending on the number of fire doors you're inspection, inspecting. The average cost for a hospital per fire door is $25. So $25 inspection fee per door may not seem like a lot, but the average hospital has 500 doors. Right. So right. do the math and you'll see that not only do you get paid for the fire door inspection, you also have the first shot at bidding for the actual corrections. Now, keep in mind that whoever does the corrections, those doors have to be reinspected. So as a certified uh, life safety fire door inspector, you're in a good position that when you bid the uh, repair, uh, of the doors that you can also throw in the reinspection uh, of the door. So you're in basically the catbird seat uh, for doing this work. So is there money to be made? Absolutely. So if you go back out to uh, reinspect that same door, do you still get another $25? Uh, not if, well, if you're not doing the repair, uh, then yeah, the, somebody has to pay for the reinspection. Okay. But if your company was awarded the repair, you can make that part of your repair package. Right. Well, let's talk about training. Is there any special training involved in becoming uh, an LSFDI certified? And if so, what does it entail? 
In other words, what will the student learn? Well, first off, you have to be a knowledgeable locksmith to even venture into this arena. Uh, somebody who only has a year experience, year or two experience, doesn't have the background to be able to go out and, uh, and, and tackle this type of uh, work. Most locksmiths uh, with 5, 10, 15, 20 years experience are more than qualified to enter into this, but it's not just the amount of technical knowledge you have to know. You also have to know building and fire codes and you have to know the complete package. So the exam uh, that we cover covers uh, an FPA 80 for fire door inspections, covers uh, an FPA 101. It also covers IFC, the International Fire Code and the International Building Code. Uh, so you have to be knowledgeable in all of these, or at least be able to find the answers when you're doing your inspections. Well, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I would assume if someone hasn't had a lot of experience with doors, there are classes through Aloha, for example, where you can learn about doors and exit devices and things that relate in a peripheral way that probably would help quite a bit. No, Exactly. And taking, uh, I mean, you can never get enough education, Bill. You know that yourself. Oh, I yeah. mean, you and I continually are challenging ourselves to uh, learn more and more so that we can be a service to our customers uh, and also help with our teaching. Uh, so, you know, it's very, very important to stay up on the latest uh, techniques, the latest issues in the field. Uh, be aware of the products that are out there. And granted, uh, even though I have a gazillion years in the industry, I still have to look stuff up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, the memory is pretty good, but it's not that great that I right. can't remember everything uh, uh, out there. So a lot of the newer stuff I have to look up so that I'm uh, well aware of it. Exactly. Well, how long is the LSFDI credential good for? Uh, three years. Uh, okay. It's, yeah, it's, it's a three-year credential. At the end of the three years, uh, you fill out a form, pay a fee, and take another test. Now, the life safety code portion of the exam uh, doesn't have to be retaken uh, because not much changes there. But the actual building and fire codes under the... Uh, fire door inspection, they do change and you have to be up with the latest codes. And so therefore we require recertification every three years. You take the exam, uh, you have to pass 80% to pass it. Uh, and that's like all of our exams. Uh, you have to pass it in the 80% mm -hmm. range uh, in order to maintain the credential. Do you know what the fee is? So locksmiths can save yeah, up the their fee, pennies? The fee is $150. Okay. Uh, for the recertification. It's very reasonable. Oh, yeah. Very good. Now, also, too, Bill, you get a, a certificate and a photo ID card. Ah. Uh, so that you have a photo ID card, you have a certificate, you can sew the emblem on your clothing, uh, you can use it in your advertising. Uh, it, is, uh, it is good for that uh, time frame as long as you have a current ID card without an expiration, with the expiration date still good. Well, let's assume that one of our locksmiths goes through this program and becomes certified. 
How could that locksmith now effectively market their new credential and service? Well, first off, you know, marketing is uh, should be a way of life for a commercial locksmith or any locksmith, even institutional locksmiths. If you get awarded a credential, the first thing you want to do uh, on the institutional side is let your employers know that you now are a certified life safety fire door inspector. And that's uh, great for job security on the institutional side. Mm-hmm. On the commercial side, you want to make sure that your customer base, either in your monthly newsletter or a mail out to them, know that you have a certified uh, life safety fire door inspector on staff to help their customer base with any issues that might come up in the future uh, and you're just a phone call away. Any other thoughts or ideas on how someone could get into that market a little more heavily? As a commercial locksmith, I mean, there's a lot on our plate as locksmiths. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, this is just one tool in our belt for servicing our customers. It's not the end to all. If you want to make this a career, you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are people that do fire door inspections for a career. Uh, but uh, you almost have to be exclusively working in institutions or for institutions uh, for that to pay off for you. Mm -hmm. When would you say it's a good time in a locksmith's career to add this type of training? Uh, Actually, any time. Like I said, it's you'll find it a lot easier if you have 10 to 15 years experience already. It it'll, uh, you'll absorb it a lot faster. It'll be easier for you uh, to, uh, to move ahead with it. It's, uh, uh, but I see a lot of people even in their retirement years in their 60s and early 70s getting into this because as locks, as they slow down turning wrenches, they want to do more uh, administration type work or inspection services. Uh, and so for the older locksmith, it's a great career move for them to move from uh, actually turning wrenches and driving a service truck to out there creating sales by doing field inspections and things like that. Mm-hmm. Let's reinforce the idea of the training. Tell us again, how long is the training and how can the training be done? Is there a place someone can go for the training or is it all done online? Are there options? And Well, the uh, at the Aloha uh, convention each year, the class is given there. It's an eight-hour class. Okay. Uh, it's... Uh, uh, the uh, you can do it online. Uh, we'll do uh, two of them this year online, and next year we're slated for three online. Uh, the online classes are three, four-hour mornings. Uh, the the third morning is recap and taking the exams, uh, getting ready for the exams. But the on uh, the classroom, which we hope the start goes back up next year. Right. Uh, and they can be scheduled anywhere. They don't have to be at Aloha. Uh, your organization may decide that you'd like to put it on. Say LSA would like to put mm-hmm. it on in Michigan. Well, they could uh, contract through Aloha to bring an instructor in, either myself or somebody closer in that area. We have a number of them <laughs> who can go in and teach it for eight hours and uh, administer the exams afterwards. Okay. 
let's say we have some locksmiths that are interested. Give us a rough idea, those that are saving up their pennies again, what would an average class, just on average, what would a class cost them to take? $650 for the uh, LSFDI course. Okay. And that is either in person, like in a class, or, or online. online. They're about the same? Yes. Good. Okay. That gives an idea, a very good idea. Well, with each class, they get... Uh, they get the 300-page uh, uh, manual, and uh, they get the opportunity to ask questions. It's uh, more of a one-on-one a -on -one type class, so uh, they, they, get a, uh, they get a lot of information either online or in person with the class. Good. I think you touched on it earlier here, but let's go back and talk about those retiring locksmiths or locksmiths that have transitioned into part-time work. I mean, their question would be, are fire door inspections a viable uh, way of creating supplemental income? What would you think to that? Absolutely. You know, first off, uh, you have locksmiths out there with 40, 50 plus years experience uh, that this is perfect for them to move into that uh, contact their uh, hospitals in their area and just let them know they're available for fire door inspection, <laughs> life safety fire door inspections. Uh, it, there isn't a lot of, there's paperwork involved with it, but we cover all that in the class. And there is, um, uh, there is some notebook programs you can buy uh, that will help you uh, with these inspections and that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, you've been doing this quite a while. Can you tell our listeners anything that you found interesting in an inspection, something that was odd or strange or made you laugh or made you cry? <laughs> I run into stuff all the time that makes me <laughs> laugh. Uh, the, uh, what I find the most part is the misapplication of hardware, uh, ah. where they'll put the wrong hardware on. It's been on for years, and they just take it as the normal. Uh, so swing clear hinges, people mm -hmm. don't realize that a swing clear hinge, which moves the door up to an inch and a half away from the frame, the door has to swing beyond 105 degrees in order for that to happen. So on a door open at 90 degrees, the door won't uh, clear the opening. Uh, and this is a very uh, uh, misapplication of hardware, especially in hospitals. Mm. Uh, so you run into things like that that make you laugh. Mm. Uh, uh, and uh, though it's not a clear violation, you know, you run into you run into uh, different things out there that are, uh, you know, like uh, the wrong door closers. Right. Uh, and right. you would think door closure is not a big deal, but you'd be surprised how many people will put on the wrong door closure mm. uh, because they're trying to save their customer a buck. They'll put a grade two on where a grade one should be. Sure. Uh, and it doesn't do the job because it either blows the seals out or uh, doesn't close the door property. properly. How, how often have you seen this, uh, say, in oh, school, schools? Well, here's another thought. Uh, uh, exit devices that are dogged open that should not be on uh, on uh, fire doors. How often do you see that in schools? Well, here's the problem we have right now in today's uh, market, and that the exit device manufacturers used to used to make uh, two different uh, rails, 
for the uh, fire exit device did not have a da- dogging feature in it. Mm-hmm. And panic exit devices had a dogging feature. And uh, so today, all the manufacturers are making one rail and where the dogging feature is, they're just putting a plastic cap in it so they don't have to inventory two different rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, this creates a problem because visually when you look at it, you actually have to go over and inspect it to see if that is a uh, Allen dog gun or just a plastic uh, insert. So the, these are areas that you have to be aware of. Uh, but the dog down features on uh, fire door hardware uh, are allowed as long as they're done electronically where they're released in case of a fire. We want to take a moment to thank Security Pro Supply again for supporting Locksmith Talk with Aloha. Security Pro Supply is the new parent brand for HL Flake, International Key Supply, HE Mitchell, and McDonald Dash companies. These great companies have been in business for many years and continue to support the industry that they serve. While the existing company names will continue to live on, associating them together under the Security Pro Supply parent brand allows them to communicate a unified mission, which is to help you, the security professional, be successful. One of the main ways they live up to this mission is by offering an incredibly broad selection One call to any of the Security Pro Supply companies gives you access to over 45,000 items that are in stock and ready to ship to you. This selection covers both mechanical and electronic hardware, as well as a huge selection of OEM and aftermarket automotive keys and remotes. Even better, Security Pro Supply companies have a wide footprint with five convenient locations across the U.S. Houston, Texas, New York, New York, Memphis, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Florida, and Portland, Oregon. Security Pro Supply, one of the supplier that is truly offering a full line of security products to the security professional. Visit them at securityprosupply.com. There you will find links to the existing company's e-commerce sites. You can also take a moment to explore their growing library of educational resources, including the listing of all webinars being offered through Aloha. Once again, that is securityprosupply.com. In doing this kind of inspection, do you have to work closely with fire marshals or other authorities having jurisdiction, so to speak? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, one of the things that we teach everybody in the class is that as a certified life safety fire door inspector, you actually work for the fire marshal, the AHJ. You do not work for the customer. Even though the customer's paying your bill, you're liable to the fire marshal to make sure uh, that you do that inspection properly and they have access to all of your reports. So if you go out and do an inspection on a hospital and you submit the report to the end user, that report has to be available to the local AHG upon request. So in other words, you really need to work closely with them so you're not working against them, so to speak. Absolutely. Remember that as a a life safety fire door inspection inspector, we only report what we see. We don't take hardware apart. Uh, It's a functional test of the door. 
We make sure that everything is uh, operating uh, properly. It's installed correctly. It's not loose on the door. All the fasteners are there. I mean, it's basically a preventive maintenance inspection of that particular opening to make sure that everything is operating properly. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the things we see are screws missing, wrong screws, and the door closer out of adjustment. Under ADA, the law, and that is part of the uh, local fire and building codes, that door cannot close faster than three seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, so all door closures being sold today uh, come preset from the factory uh, on the closing speed uh, to just close it automatically. The latching speed is wide open. That's a field adjustment. It should be done by the installer. And what we're finding is the installers don't make the adjustment. They allow the closing speed to close the door all the way. The problem with that is those, those orifices seat inside there, the door and the, uh, the door ends up closing faster and you get a slamming action in the door. And the way to tell that is if you open the door up and let it go, it should come to about three inches from the uh, edge of the door. And there's a slight hesitation before the door pulls itself in and latches. If there's no hesitation there and it comes all the way up into the closed position, the latching is wide open and that's out of adjustment and it fails. Uh, because the three seconds are, is measured from uh, 70 or 90 degrees, they will uh, go either one uh, to within three inches of closing the door to the latching portion. And that latching portion must be set uh, because that actually is what closes and latches the door. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if my understanding is correct, you as an inspector do not have to do any disassembly or adjustments. You simply report what you see and touch, so to speak, correct? That's correct. Uh, yeah, even uh, if there's a door viewer in the door, you have to report there's a door viewer there, uh, but you can't determine whether it's a listed and labeled door viewer because in order to do that, you'd have to remove it from the door and the inspectors don't remove hardware. Mm -hmm. Now it's left up to the fire marshal. So let's just say that I go up and I write a report. It's got a door viewer. I write on their door viewer, but I can't determine if it's labeled. Uh, it's got uh, the uh, frame uh, label is painted, but legible. Uh, you're not allowed to paint any labels. So that's mm -hmm. a clear violation. They do, uh, you do have to stipulate whether it's legible or illegible, meaning that they might've painted it with latex paint and I can still read it. Right. Uh, or it might be an embossed label and I can still read it. So you have to say painted, leg legible or illegible. And all that's left up to the AHJ. So the AHJ looks at your report and if they have an issue with any of it, then they will take action. You don't take any action. Now, will the AHJ contact you or the end user? End user. Okay. Always. Yeah, they never contact you because you did your job. You did exactly what you were supposed to do, and that is report exactly what you saw. Now, let me ask you this, Tom. Since you are a forensic investigator, how does the LSFDI credential help you? Well, uh, you know, first off, uh, when you move over into, and all ALOA members and SAFTA members uh, 
are invited to join IFDIA. Uh, there's a small $50 fee mm -hmm. uh, to be an investigative member. Uh, and we have our own set of credentials. And we have a credential uh, that deals with fire door inspections. And so in order to achieve that one, first off, you have to be a certified fire door inspector or an LSFDI inspector already. Uh, and you can take the exam for your CFFDI, which is Certified uh, Forensic Fire Door Inspector. Now, the mm. difference between the two are a forensic fire door inspector disassembles everything. And what we're looking for is we're looking for any modifications to the door frames and hardware that resulted in a violation of the uh, label that was on that door. Uh, now, uh, you had indicated earlier, I have about five cases right now, mm -hmm. and I'm an active uh, forensic investigator, and all of the cases I take deal with uh, door frames and hardware. Uh, and when I go out for a site visit, I disassemble everything because I'm looking to see if anything was modified in the field. A lot of locksmiths don't realize that you cannot change anything in the field. One of the things is filing a strike plate. You're not allowed to file a strike plate on a labeled door. Uh, and the reason is that strike plate is part of the original manufacturer's equipment, and it was UL listed the way it is. If the uh, the latch is not engaging in that strike plate, then the chances are the door's out of alignment. It has nothing to do with the strike plate. Uh, and so you could either rehang the door or order another strike plate with the opening in a different location. Donjo sells those now. They have a, a new program out for those. But uh, the uh, but but the fire door inspectors in that. Uh, the difference is, uh, I had said earlier, look at fees. Like as a fire door inspector at a hospital, you're maybe getting $25 an opening. No, that's a lot considering you're doing 500 openings and it's going to tie up a lot of time. Sure. Uh, as a certified uh, forensic fire door inspector, uh, my fee is $350 an hour. And I get paid uh, half of that in travel time. Uh, plus expenses. And um, each case that I take is worth no less than $18,000 a year up to 80000 a year mm. if I have to go to court. Well, let me ask you this. Going into court, do you uh, have to take parts of doors with you or is it no. all photographs or no, how does it work? I, when I do my inspection, uh, we, we photograph everything, we write reports, and we justify uh, our report. Now, as a forensic fire door inspector, we only deal with facts. So there's no assumptions at all. So if the strike plate has been fouled, it's been fouled. If the door closure is leaking, it's leaking. Uh, and we show photographs and we show the report uh, based on the door manufacturer stating what size door closure should have been on that door. All the way down to the width of a stall in a, in a restroom. Uh, so there are certain widths and stalls that have to be maintained. Uh, uh, doors, uh, 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 restroom doors where they put spring hinges on instead of a door closure when the door exceeds seven foot. So 
any door over seven foot cannot have a spring hinge on it, must have a door closure. But we see it all the time uh, in cases in that. So when you go to court, you have to cite the, uh, the requirements based on NFPA 80, uh, based on IBC, NFPA 101, IFC, uh, ADA. So you have to have a lot of no working knowledge in those different areas now, and then be able to de defend your investigation on your report as far as what you found uh, that it was in violation. And it's either gonna support, um, uh, so like people will say, well, how often do you go to court? Very rarely, I've only been one time in the last 10 years, uh, and I average five cases a year uh, now, we can state that maybe my reports are so good, they settle out of court because they all do. Because here's the, the hypothesis. If you're already violating the law, uh, then, uh, and you're, you cannot go to court and expect to win a judgment when you're already in violation. And mm -hmm. if I can prove you're in violation, they all settle out of court. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot more money. Now, you talk about retirement area. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's the area that the older locksmiths, uh, if they want to move into an investigative side, you know, IAIL offers uh, the forensic fire door inspections. They also offer forensic safe and bolt inspections. They mm -hmm. offer forensic automotive inspections. And then they also offer general forensic inspections. And you can get certified in all four of these different areas in that. And you can hold more than one certification. So if you wanted to move on and just be a, a forensic investigator, and there are a lot of them out there that make a living at this. So, I mean, I just had a case here in Pittsburgh. There were four forensic investigators on that uh, site when I did the site visit. Oh, wow. Four because each side had their own and the insurance company had their own. And so I'm getting 350 an hour and you can imagine what the rest of them are getting. There was a lot of money being spread around for these investigators, these experts. Oh, wow. So, I mean, down the road, you know, that that's a good, uh, uh, a good avenue for retired mm -hmm. locksmiths uh, to move into that arena. Definitely. Uh, and it's a shame, you know, uh, Jim Dorsey just died. Right. And Jim had been working on his CFFDI. He is, an, he, uh, he came out of retirement to get active again. And uh, it was such a shame that he had passed oh, yeah. away. Well, he can inspect the gates of heaven right now. I'm sure he's up there doing his friend <laughs> right now. Right. Get right. him, Jim. <laughs> right. Uh, let me ask you this last question because it comes up so often on Clearstar and by many locksmiths. Are credentials that important? Some say they're not. I don't need them. Others say yes. I pretty <laughs> much know your opinion, but reinforce the point about the importance of credentials. Well, first off, as a commercial locksmith, you know, do you really need all the credentials? Your customers don't know what they mean. All they care about is that you fix the lock and that you're somebody they can depend on. Uh, when they call you. And, and that's pretty much all you need. Um, 
I mean, I ran a lock company for 20 years. I had no credentials and we did very well. Uh, I got into manufacturer's rep and I got some credentials basically uh, to help me write specifications and that back in the late 80s and 90s. But when you get into forensic investigations, uh, credentials are everything. Uh, mm -hmm. On your CV, which is your curriculum vitae, which is your resume, uh, the, uh, the attorneys or insurance companies that are hiring you they want to see your credentials. They want to see just like, uh, you know, Bill, you have a bachelor's and you have a master's. Mm -hmm. okay, those are great credentials. I have a bachelor's. Uh, the uh, But when it comes to forensic investigations uh, and they're looking for somebody for fire door inspections, they want to see that you're a certified fire door inspector. You're a certified life safety fire door inspector. Mm -hmm. You're a certified forensic fire door inspector. They want to see these certifications. They want to see the institute you have them with, the year that you got it. Uh, all of that uh, has to be on your CV. And right now I carry 13 different certifications. Do right. I need them all? No. Uh, but when it comes to fire, when it comes to working with attorneys, yeah, I do. Uh, it helps me get cases because I have them. Now, uh, in your case, if somebody said, I'm looking for an expert in master key systems, well, I'd recommend you right away. Right. Because you have the credentials as a master key expert. I mean, there's others in the industry, but sure. you understand what I mean is that when you have the credentials, they speak for you. You don't have to boast about yourself because you've already been tested, certified, and listed. Right. So that's that's why the credentials are important. Look, I mean, I had credentials uh, back in my 40s uh, in that. I'm 75 right now. And the bulk of my credentials came between I was... Be, uh, between nine, between I was 64 and 72. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I'm, so I'm 75 right now. Uh, and I'm always looking to test myself to stay sharp. So you, you can, you can add there. another, you can add another right now. OT old timer. How's that? Old timer. I got that one. <laughs> okay. There, there you have it. <laughs> but you know right. what? The younger guys don't need them. The older guys, if you're going to move into to be an expert in that, yeah, the credentials are very important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very important. Uh, uh, people want to know they're dealing with an expert. Uh, so that's like when you do your announcement that you're now a certified life safety fire door inspector or a certified fire door inspector, you want to send an announcement on, send a copy of your certificate. I yes. mean that's that that's your uh, that's your your pathos your logos. Uh, I mean, people see that and they go, "Yeah, somebody tested them." Mm -hmm. You know, that's you know, but that that's what we have to have. Right, right. And you had mentioned earlier that you can never have enough training, enough knowledge in an area. So I wanted to share with our listeners that the Aloha Bookstore has a few different books available to assist with fire door inspections, no matter the experience of the locksmith. And some of these include, let's see, the Aloha Fire Door Hardware Study Guide by Tom Foxwell. Yep. 
the uh, Aloha Fire Door Inspector Manual by also by Tom Foxwell. Yeah. Life Safety Codes in the Means of Egress by Tom DeMont. Yeah. And uh, available in both English and Spanish. Yes. And Fire Door Repair Manual by Tom DeMont. Yep. So yeah, there's, there's, there's go ahead. a lot of valuable uh, books in the bookstore that can be ordered. Uh, and uh, people should make sure they keep a current copy of those. Uh, and uh, like Tom Foxwell, I'm available to answer questions. And I know Tom personally, and he is available to help anyone uh, also if they have any questions. Perfect. Well, Tom, it's been great. Do you have any final thoughts or recommendations uh, for anyone wanting to go into this new area of locksmithing? Well, uh, two things. One is, is that it really adds to your tool punch uh, to have this credential uh, for your customers and that, uh, because it also carries a little bit more authority when you tell them that you have to be, a, you can't just replace that hardware with just anything or that door with just anything, uh, uh, because you're certified and you can't take a chance. Uh, you don't want to uh, violate your certification by uh, doing uh, shoddy work. Uh, so it also helps you uh, as far as justifying the charges you're charging. Mm -hmm. uh, in that, you know, that's the other thing I see is that so many uh, locksmiths are so caught up with helping the customer, they forget to charge them. <laughs> uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, then they wonder why they're not making any money. So. Right. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is, is that uh, get your credentials, market your credentials and charge for your services. There you go. Tom, it's been my pleasure. And thank you for joining us on this podcast. Uh, Bill, always a pleasure. Get back to me anytime if you want to do a follow up. Uh, it's been enjoyable and I really enjoyed chatting with you. Okay. Thanks again, Tom. Thank you again to Security Pro Supply for sponsoring Locksmith Talk with Aloha. Security Pro Supply is the new parent brand for HL Flake, International Key Supply, HE Mitchell, and McDonald Dash companies. These existing company names will continue to live on, but by bringing them together under the SPS parent brand, they can communicate a unified mission, which is to help you, the security professional, be successful. Be sure to visit them at securityprosupply.com. There you will find links to the existing company's e-commerce sites. You can also take a moment to explore their growing library of educational resources, including the listing of all webinars being offered through Aloha. Once again, that is securityprosupply.com. Thanks so much for listening to Locksmith Talk with Aloha. As your podcast host, William Link, until next time, stay well.